0: Hello and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Ryan McGinnis, a research student at the University of Michigan. We met Ryan at the International Sports Engineering Association (laughs) Conference in Massachusetts this year, where he delivered a paper on his work with instrumented baseballs. And that is the topic of today's discussion. Enjoy. Hello and
1: welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Technology Podcast. My name is Mike, and with me again today is Henry. Hello. Hello. And our guest today is Ryan McGinnis. He's at the University of Michigan, and he's doing some cool stuff with instrumenting baseballs for pitchers training and, and other applications. So, Ryan, welcome to the podcast. And before we kind of get into the, to the meat and potatoes of, of what you're working on, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about where you're from and, and how you ended up at Michigan.
2: Okay, great. Uh, thanks for having me today. It's a good opportunity. <laughs> uh, originally, I guess I, I grew up in, uh, in Vermont. Um, playing a lot of sports, and uh, I went to college at a, a small college in Pennsylvania called Lafayette um, and then did some sports research there uh, on the golf swing in particular um, and then applied for grad school, and Michigan was the place that I got in, that also happened to do sports research. So I thought it was a great fit. Um, kind of, we
1: we got introduced. Henry and I got introduced to you through the International Sports Engineering Association conference. You did a pretty cool presentation on some of the current work you're doing with instrumenting a baseball. Can you just um, give us the history of that and and how you got involved?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I came to Michigan, uh, there was a uh, I guess he's a hand surgeon here by the name of Neil Chen. He's no longer at Michigan. I think he moved to. Uh, university of pennsylvania but anyway uh he did a lot of work looking at um or i guess repairing pitchers pitchers hands and and uh and wrists and wanted to develop a technology for um basically assessing how well they were uh coming back after surgery how well they were rehabbing and and when um, they sort of reached the same level that they were at before the surgery um so that's how the project started and uh you know for the first six months we were sort of uh focusing on that and then um and, and we sort of realized the limitations of the technology that we had, and and so it sort of developed into its own pitcher training uh, tool as opposed to a tool to assess rehabilitation. Got it.
1: And can you just give us an idea of what the what the baseball looks like, and and what do you hope to kind of do with it?
2: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, the baseball is is really looks just like a normal baseball, uh, except on the inside there's an inertial measurement unit embedded inside of it. And so uh, that inertial measurement unit uh, gives you 3-axis sensing of acceleration and 3-axis sensing of angular velocity. Uh, and so you use that to um, to basically get useful information about a pitch. So what we do in particular is we try to understand uh, the orientation of the ball during the pitching motion, uh, the angular velocity of the ball, and then also the ball's velocity during the throwing motion. Um and so those three quantities, uh specifically at the instant of release, when the pitcher um sort of releases the ball and it travels to the catcher, uh they determine how the ball is going to break um during that free fri- free flight phase. Uh and so we try to to track those quantities, see how they develop during the pitching motion, and then ultimately uh how they give you information about um the break of the ball. So if you look at like a curveball versus a fastball, uh those three quantities um sort of specify the difference between them. Uh, And so you can have a pitcher uh, look at those values at release, and that'll show them uh, sort of how well they're throwing a curveball and then how consistently they're throwing a curve.
1: Perfect. So one of the questions I had is, like, how do you actually kind of put the instrument or put the accelerometers or the instruments in the ball? Like, can you just describe that process? I saw some of the pictures that you presented with, but I think it's a pretty cool process that you had to go through.
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, it's not exactly... Exactly the most ideal situation, right? You're trying to trying to embed this little sensor inside of inside of a baseball and then put it back together in in almost exactly the same way that it was before. Um, so luckily, with with baseballs nowadays, uh, at least the cheaper ones, uh, when you unstitch the leather cover, what you see inside is actually a a you know a pretty large cork and rubber composite core. Um, it's basically the same diameter as the baseball. There's a couple windings of string on top of that, and then the leather cover. Um, so what we did is we, we unstitched that leather cover, cut that big cork and rubber core in half, uh, then machined a little pocket for our IMU, glued the IMU in there along with a battery and a switch, glued the two halves of the cork and rubber core back together, and then stitched the whole ball back up. So you end up with a baseball that looks, you know, a lot like a normal baseball. It just happens to have an IMU on the inside.
0: And are you, are you able to, to charge it still somehow, or is it, um, is it kind of a one-time use deal?
2: Uh, yeah, so there's uh, we include a little a little switch that um, that we sort of embed towards the outside of that rubber core, and then we cut a small hole in the um, in the the cover of the ball so you can access it with uh, basically like a headphone a headphone cord plug, um, which you can get power then to the battery and charge it that way. So when
1: you were kind of first testing these with kind of in the lab and then I assume with players as well, like what were some of the unexpected things that you? kind of came across and that you didn't think of right away
2: yeah so so i guess the main the main thing we didn't think of was that um you know pitchers actually spin the ball really fast right so the angular rate sensors that we use measure up to two thousand degrees per second you know which which seems like it would be plenty of measurement range to to fully measure a baseball pitch uh it's certainly you know faster than most other objects spin um but it turns out a, a, a fastball pitch, a fastball in, in Major League Baseball is actually spinning at something like 15,000 degrees per second. Um, so it's, you know, way in excess of whatever the measurement range of the gyros we used actually was. And that was probably the most surprising thing for us is that you can't actually measure a real baseball pitch with um, the sensing technology that was on the market uh, when we first started. Um, since then, there's been some developments that that, ha- that will now allow that to happen, but that it's really like that quantity that the baseball, the spin of the baseball when it's released from the pitcher's hand is really a quantity that people are trying to to measure accurately and it isn't necessarily the most easy thing to do. What's
1: kind of the state of the the kind of training market now? Like how would people go about measuring this sort of stuff if they weren't instrumenting the ball? Is it like motion capture or um, kind of some other type of, of measurement t- techniques?
2: Yep. Yeah. So uh, there's a company called TrackMan um, and they use... a Doppler radar technique Um, and and they sort of popularized that with with actually uh, it's like a golf ball launch monitor Um, and so they've applied that technology that they originally created for golf to to baseball pitching Um, and they and they can get some spin information with that Uh, but then other than that it's really sort of relegated to motion capture and there's been you know scientific studies that have used motion capture to look at how the ball spins during flight but that's really you know that's sort of tough to apply in most situations right so you know Motion capture systems, for those that aren't familiar, you know, you have a collection of cameras that are tracking the 3D position of a set of markers. And in this case, those markers happen to be on the surface of a baseball. Um, but, you know, it needs to be a calibrated setup where uh, the cam- cameras need specific lighting conditions. And in a lot of cases, that's going to be tough for, you know, a baseball pitcher or a baseball coach to set up on a field um, if they're not already in a laboratory. So what we, what we hope to do is use this instrumentation, sort of allow baseball coaches to bring you know a ball that gives them useful information out to the field of play and so you don't have to have these pitchers come into a laboratory and and get all suited up and you know throw in some constrained environment what sorts of leagues are are kind of ages do you envision kind
1: of this technology being useful for is it mostly kind of the the pro level guys or like colleges or like i could even see applications with like the little league world series is on all the time now um like having uh a training device for coaches and and kids that um, could do give them some feedback as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think it's the, the information you get from it is useful no matter what your what what your level of development is. Um, that being said, it's you know sort of important to note that in its current form, our technology cannot measure uh, you know the vast majority of pitches because the angular rates can't actually be sensed. Um, luckily, thanks to Developments from uh, analog devices which is a MEMS you know sensor manufacturer uh, they now produce angular rate gyros that measure up to twenty thousand degrees per second so you can measure uh, virtually all baseball and softball pitches so uh, with the advent of those gyros you know this technology is extendable to you know no matter no matter what your level of baseball pitching is right it'll it'll work to measure that um, but then developmentally wise uh, there's, um, there's no, there's no one that wouldn't benefit from the technology.
0: So this this project kind of had an, 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 what seems to me is a, an unusual start in that it um, seemed to have a very specific uh, application in mind, but there are clearly many more. When when you were developing it, did you did you change your your goalposts based on new um, applications that you had in mind, or, or were you still trying to? Kind of solve the initial problem.
2: Yeah, so um, you know, the, I guess the initial problem being, you know, sort of player assessment uh, after after a surgery or after an injury. Right. Um, you know, we sort of diverged, I guess, from that from that path because we, um, you know, basically lost a person on our research team who had that expertise. Uh you know, we don't have someone um in our lab or, or on working on this project now that that really has the expertise of a you know sort of a rehabilitation, you know, specialty. Uh so, so we sort of instead of pursuing that avenue, we sort of you know switched it up a little bit and focused on uh really what we're good at in our research group, which is developing um training tools for sports. And so that's that's sort of why we basically took this route. Uh, but that being said, if we wanted to go back and look at, um, you know, the results of rehabilitation and tracking player progress after injury, uh, the information that we get from this instrumented ball in its current form gives you, you know, an ability to track that. It might not be exactly the measures that we were shooting for before. Um, but it still gives you that information. What's been the player feedback
1: with the guys who kind of have used this ball?
2: Yeah, so uh, you know there hasn't been a whole lot of players that we've actually tested it on. Um, the presentation that I gave at ISEA and, and really the work so far has been focused more on just showing that it's it's it works for um, you know a, a subset of pitchers, you know a very a very specific um, example set, I guess. And we haven't actually had the opportunity to go out and test it on real players for the most part, um, in, in any sort of meaningful way. So there there hasn't been. I mean th- those that have pitched from it. Uh, you know, thought it was a great idea. Really liked the results, um, and we've talked to baseball, some baseball and softball coaches in the area um, that thought that it could be useful uh, as a training tool. But other than that, we haven't really, we haven't really disseminated the idea.
0: Will you be? Um, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's a bit too early to say, but will you be taking this the general ideas and the technology into other sports as well, um, sticking it in other pieces of equipment or or balls or or protective equipment or anything along those lines?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so I guess sort of taking a step back here, what we typically do, the projects that we typically investigate in our lab at the University of Michigan are um, uh, sports training applications uh, using inertial measurement units. Uh, so we've done work with uh, basically strapping inertial measurement units onto golf clubs. Uh, so obviously into baseballs and softballs like we're talking about today, but and also into uh, 10-pin bowling balls. Um, there's been a lot of work. There's a company actually called 9450 Technologies in Ohio that was started by a, a student from our lab uh, that that does basketball training, um, soccer training. I think is on the horizon. And, you know, there's a lot of sports where we where we've actually already applied the technology, and it's you know it's been shown to work really well. Uh, but then also going forward, applications like American football. Uh, you know, it could be really interesting, um, both for quantifying how the ball is thrown and how it spins during flight, but also, um, you know, inertial sensors for quantifying impacts, all that kind of stuff is definitely an interesting application. Um, and then even even beyond sort of these ball sport applications, if you look at um, inertial sensors for looking at how people run or how people, you know, you know, sort of anything, any sort of human motion application uh, involving sports is typically where we try to focus. And it's sort of, you know, an open playing field.
0: I think one, one thing, just, just me thinking, I guess, is it would be a fantastic tool for research, uh, for development of, of balls and, and equipment like that. So that could be cool yeah. to look for in the future as well. Are yeah. there any, um, are there any technological hurdles that you're kind of waiting for? Like, do, will there be a time when you can get an angular, uh, sensor that's fast enough? Is this something that, that you, you know, anticipate will happen soon or?
2: Yeah, that, that time, that time is now. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Analog, analog devices just released uh, an angular rate gyro that measures up to twenty thousand degrees per second, um, and I suspect that the other MEMS sensor manufacturers will sort of follow suit. They've, they've. It's actually interesting. The, um, so on, on the spec sheets that you get from these from these MEMS sensor manufacturers, they list possible applications, um, and on this on this spec sheet for this gyro, you know, number one on that list is sports training applications, um, and then and they, you know. We've Never seen that before, right? So, so for whatever reason, these—and I think it's a great reason—but for whatever reason, um, these MEMS manufacturers have identified sports training applications as a as an important application that you know warrants the development of this gyro. And I'm glad they did it because that lets us put it in our baseball and actually measure real pitches. Um, yeah, that's but, great. You know, yeah, absolutely. So that's—I mean—that's the largest technological hurdle. Um you know, we could always go for faster sampling rates, but you know, that's sort of maybe not really necessary. The measurement ranges are really what's what, what were the issue and and now no longer are.
1: Very nice. So kind of where are you in terms of your research? Where are you hoping to to bring the technology and, and sensor and instrument up to before you kind of finish?
2: Uh yeah, so um I have probably about a year left, ish. And uh and I think You know, what I presented at ICEA and and sort of where we at, where we are at with the, with the baseball and softball research is we've, we've developed this tool that we think works really well. Um, and, and, you know, it's sort of the time where it'd be great for, uh, someone to do, you know, a player study and to look at, um, you know, using how, 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 you know, what sort of data can you get for real pitches from this technology and, and, you know, how useful is it for training, um, but I don't think that necessarily is is where I'm going to go with it. Um I've sort of looked diverged a little bit uh, mainly because of um the issues with the with the technological hurdles that we you know just discussed. You know, this 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 day the stuff that I presented at ICEA was probably you know the first two years of my PhDs. So um you know it was sort of older uh and I've since sort of tried to get more into using inertial sensors uh in more like human biomechanics applications um and then specifically translating imus and human biomechanics into looking at sports motions um so i think we're going to look at the biomechanics of football passing um both with an imu in the ball and then also an instrumented arm for the uh the thrower so that's sort of where i'm going with it we sort of left the baseball and softball research where it was because of the technological hurdles. So the,
0: we're talking mainly so far about um, research and, and developing training and such, but are these the sorts of things you could imagine would become commercially viable within the next few years as technology cheapens? Like, could, could do you imagine someone buying a ball that has this system in it or, or buying something that they strap on themselves to get their, their arm motions?
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the beauty of, the beauty of IMUs is that, uh, you know, it doesn't really require, you know, a trained person to use them, right? It's sort of strap it onto yourself, move your body in some specific ways, and then you're getting meaningful data out of it. I I definitely envision in a lot of applications, uh, you know, sort of the ability for people to buy these IMUs, um, from very cheaply, right? So, so the IMU that's in, in the baseball, uh, that you guys saw in pictures, um, you know, is Sort you know, it's sort of outdated now, but you probably, you probably get one of those nowadays for, I don't know, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, something like that. It's very affordable technology. Um, the sensing components that are on the board are like, you know, three, four, five dollars a piece. It's not, it's not something that you're paying a thousand dollars for. It's something you're paying, you know, 30 or 40 dollars for, which makes it very affordable for, uh, you know, for a for a technology to be marketed and produced by some company and sold to actual end users. That's great. Do you Sign
1: have any Yeah, do you have any plans to are you, are you gonna kind of keep involved on that route when you finish or as you finish up? Um
2: you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've sort of been uh weighing my options, I guess. Uh I think I think it's an interesting it's an interesting avenue to pursue. Um and I think there are companies that are interested in licensing this technology for 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 doing that. And I'm not sure that Um, necessarily that I would want to do it but that doesn't mean that it's not a good idea and other people aren't running with it (laughs) so yeah
1: I absolutely love the idea and the the work sounds awesome so um, Henry do you have any other questions I think that was
0: uh, Uh, yeah I think that's good yeah,
1: this is great. So really interesting work. So uh, thanks, Ryan, for, uh, for your time.
0: And that is the episode. Thank you, Ryan. And thanks, listeners, for listening. For more information, check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com. And remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Thanks. Bye.